Greetings, greetings, a good day, and welcome to Birds All Day episode 151. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we are here and we are talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. Your Toronto Blue Jays, who are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Esconded in Dunedin at the stadium that I think they're trying to change the name of again. Uh, who cares? They're there. They are ready to begin the Grapefruit League schedule tomorrow, Friday, probably today, by the time you're listening to this. It may already be over by the time you listen to this. You never really know. That's the fun of Birds All Day. And and the man who makes it fun, the man who makes it what it is, uh, Old Reliable. Uh, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Joining me as always. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah. Spring <laughs> training. Grapefruit League. Phillies Blue Jays. Are they playing at uh, in Clearwater? What's that thing called? Hooters Stadium? Oh, I can't keep no. any of the damn stra- uh, spring names straight. I think the Jays are now Dunedin Stadium. I think they just reverted to that. That was part of their their deal with, uh, with the know, town. Whatever, whatever, however, they're scamming taxpayers, though the taxpayers seem very happy to, to be scammed. Um, or that could also just be because the new Disney-fied... Um, MLB at bat or MLB TV, that's just what it called the stadium. I don't, I don't know. I, I read the words Dunedin Stadium the other day. I think that's. What I saw it, it used to be. It used to have like a noble name. It was like named after a person. Uh, well, it's Bobby Maddock, right? Wasn't the that Mad- the name? Well, that's no. That's the complex. There's the Maddock Complex, which is the minor league site, and mm. I forget what the name of the fucking stadium was that it was that it was for years. Before it became Florida Auto Exchange Stadium or whatever other monstrosity, uh, I saw Wilner called it formally Florida Auto okay. Exchange Stadium. Well, um, then there, then there, but, there you go. It probably is something else now. Uh, he knows. I, I would suggest an Eden Stadium, but also I'm sure many people uh, one either know already themselves or two uh, could not possibly give a shit. The, the, I, I assume that they have already stopped listening because we're talking about this, but. Yeah. We're moving on to better things. Grant Field. Uh, yeah, there's Grant, always... Grant hmm? Field. Grant Field. That's what it was. Grant Field. Grant. Grant Field. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, nothing... So far, spring training has been largely uh, free of incident, right? Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, the Tulowitzki thing that happened. I think we talked about this last time. But... Uh, <laughs> we, but yeah. did, we did... Uh, we, <laughs> we did bury Tulo a little bit last time. Oh yeah, yeah. He is he is in the ground. That poor bastard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what else. It's exciting. It's, yeah, you know, you get in the pictures. I mean, today it's, was it's, today was the photo day. We're getting Randall Gritchick saying all the right things about you know playing alongside the guy whose job he came to take. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, all those all those things. Donaldson had the contract thing and. Stroman would like a multi-year deal, which he's not going to get, and and, and uh, you know Devin Travis is going to play every other game because they have to keep him in bubble wrap and uh, <laughs> all that stuff. No big injuries yet, uh, so so it's still the the honeymoon period, really. Delightful, well, and and uh, Emma Span now of the uh, Athletic, who left Sports Illustrated. Uh, yeah, she has. She's famous for calling it a six-week dry hump, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. tweets it every year, and it is always funny. And <laughs> it's uh, it's true. It's a six-week dry hump. Everyone gets so excited, but then, you know, just grind in jeans. Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's it's like, what are we doing here? This year, the Jays, for as much as Mr. Grichuk would like to pretend that there aren't like jobs to be won out there, and there aren't real storylines. I mean. There, there could. It's not just necessarily the back of the the bullpen that's uh, that has some intrigue to it. I don't think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think Anthony Alford's making uh, making the team out of you know on opening day by like in basically any scenario. But he could certainly make a strong case to be up sooner than later if he has a nice spring. And you know, there's kind of little stories like that uh, because they have like 15 outfielders. Which I'm curious to see how they handle because this, it, that can't work, right? Like they can't. Pearson, a lot Carrera, of Pearson Carrera and 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 uh, Gritchick and Granderson, like the the whole lot of them can't go up there, right? They can't come north with the team. 
It's like they expect that some of their extremely old ball players are going to get hurt. Maybe it's always a threat. Uh, I found myself, you know, there's been quite a, quite a few shots of um, Dalton Pompey standing in against Strowman and doing whatever, just spring training stuff. And I very much find myself rooting for him. I mm-hmm. maybe I, I've I've become like that super sentimental, like oh that good Canadian kid, you know. Uh, but here we are. Rooting for Dalton Pompey. Well, is it is is that not better than rooting for him? Like for asset management reasons. Like, oh, yeah. you really, you really well, want I mean, him to turn into something because otherwise, uh, you know, he's going to be out of options. They may have to trade him for a lesser piece uh, than what his his you know ceiling could be. And and thinking about, it, I mean, all those things that are are correct and true. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I. I in my, I mean, in my old age, me, I have some room for there being, you know, the sentiment. I, I'm moving so far down. I've moved so far down the road, and it, it, it's every so often it is important to for me to check myself because I'm so far down the road that I'm thinking instead of thinking you know, it'd be great if Dalton Pompey would be a good player because he's fun to watch or because of this or because he's Canadian. It's like, well, you know, he's really going to limit his earning options if it, as he beca- runs out of uh, runs out of options and it's going to really uh, negatively impact his career. Like, I'm just too up my own ass about it where <laughs> it could just be like, he, it was fun. He was a part of some fun, important Blue Jays memories and he's a local kid and it would be great if he was good. Like, I mean, everybody, you know, you wish them all to be good. And that's part of getting old. Like, I just want everyone to have a nice time. Like, that's kind of my approach. And actually, that reminds me, we'll stop talking about this now, but we're going to talk about something a little bit similar to this on this week's edition of Superbad. I don't know if everybody follows Bomani Jones, but he tweeted something I found really interesting. And Stoughton and I are going to talk about that on this week's edition of Superbad, which is, of course, the Patreon-exclusive content. That uh, all of the patron uh, people who who contribute to the Patreon campaign, people who kick us a couple bucks a month, have access to. If you don't, presumably, you don't get to hear it. And let me tell you, we have a good time. It's only it's, it's just like a little. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long, but uh, sometimes it's a little bit more evergreen. But uh, if you haven't already, I, I cannot highly recommend recommend it highly enough. Uh, getting on board with the, with the Birds All Day Patreon campaign at Birds All Day or Patreon.com slash Birds All Day. And uh, and then plug it in and, and get if, if you like what you hear, you get a couple more a uh, couple more minutes with uh, with you and I. Mm-hmm. And speaking of a couple more minutes, I'm gonna do some some uh, some housekeeping here. Uh, keeping with the idea of a couple more minutes, opening day, March 29th. We're gonna do a live episode, live edition of Birds All Day at the Rec Room, which is directly across the street from the Rogers Center. We're going to uh, be recording there as part of the Homestand Sports uh, uh, event. It's free. There's a Facebook event page. Go and sign up uh, and, and get your name on the list because there's, there's going to be limited seating. Uh, it's going to be a hot place that people are going to want to be before opening day. If you've ever been there, it's crazy. It's huge. There's like arcade games. Street Fighter for days. Oh, it reminds me. I'll have to bring my card. I still got credits on my card. I'll get in there, get some Street Fighter action. So if you want to get beat by me at Street Fighter after... The podcast is recorded and have a couple of drinks and you could stay, watch the game there. If you don't have tickets, if you have tickets, come on by beforehand, drop in, say hi, watch us record a podcast and then head over to the game. So yeah, opening day, March 29th, one thirty, the rec room, Stoughton, who's on the other end of this thing, and me will be there. Hopefully we'll see you there too, right? Yeah, no, I think it's going to be, I, I, I said off air, like I think there's going to be a lot of people who are looking at us and being like, who the fuck are these guys? It's like people are just going to show up mm. there to have a party before the opening day anyway. That's just how opening day works. But uh, specifically, I, I I don't know if we are in – I've never been to the facility. Uh, but it, but it's big and it's it, – I, I, really, I really felt pleased with myself for saying that it's within spitting distance of the uh, Ted Rogers statue because I know – That was – you did well. Very <laughs> I well. know that's what everyone would like to do to that thing. Uh, but yeah, no, it's – I don't know if we're just in one particular wing – or what it's going to be. I believe but. there's a, there's at least one an area that can be uh, cordoned off from the arcade and the the sort of big. There's a massive bar when you walk in, like a huge bar with a massive screen where people will be watching the Blue Jays play on opening day against the Yankees. Presumably Marcus Stroman pitching against uh, presumably Masahiro Tanaka. Mm-hmm. I guess um, with uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge and. Greg Bird and Gary Sanchez and all the rest of those goons in that lineup. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, so you can visit. I, I we shared it on the Birds All Day Facebook page today. Uh, I think Pitch Talks on their Facebook page has it as well. Uh, so if, yeah, again, I, if you want to have a good a, time, come on I, over. I did a post to Blue Jays Nation as well about it with the link. Oh, to there the, you go. To uh, to to RSVP because yeah, it. Uh, uh, once people figure out, you know, they're, they're not going to give a shit about us, but they're going to realize that, oh, I can get a spot to sit in this bar for opening day. That's, you know, that's kind of a thing. It gets it gets rammed down there as anyone who's been like tried to get into Steam Whistle before an, a home opener on opening day uh, will, will know, and as I can attest to personally. Uh, so, yeah, that will get you in. That will get you access to the uh, uh, to the show, to the bar, and we'll we'll... Go from there, have a little live podcast, drink a bunch of drinks. Uh, apparently, you all have been uh, challenged to Street Fighter. Yep. Uh, I don't care. I'll use Blanca. You can't stop me. No. <laughs> uh, but no, it's going uh, to be a wonderful day. And then uh, you should take the afternoon off. I think a lot of Jays fans will be anyway. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how facing the Yankees goes. It'll be horrifying. No, it'll be fun. Um, one more thing, I, I wanted I wanted to mention it before. Also, uh, I mentioned if you listen to Superbad, it's like extra content. And uh, I met a great guy. I met a listener, a guy I, I interact with on Twitter all the time. His name is Chris. He listens at three times speed because he listens to podcasts pretty much all the time. He said when he's you know at home cleaning the house, doing whatever, he's always listening to podcasts. So I'll have to speak very slowly. For Chris, actually, Chris is a poker dealer, and he watched as I got cleaned out <laughs> at the Great Blue Heron in uh, in Port Perry on uh, last Friday night. It was awful. What a debacle! He was dealing at my table. I was like, "All right, this this obviously it's not like he could cheat. It's not like he's dealing off the bottom for me because trust me, he did not do anything of that nature. It was awful. It was a bloodbath. Yeah. I couldn't even make a pair." Woman, this this woman, lovely young woman, she called me sixty dollars cold with a pair of sevens. Uh, it was it was. I mean, I can't I can't really fault that call. It was only a pot size bet. She had top pair on the board. No reason for her to make that. And anyway, it was awful. I'm I'm so mad. I'm mad. It was <laughs> such a bad bad night. I was just cold deck from hell. Run bad. The run bad is real. Yeah, nice nice to, blue- <laughs> nice to hear from you when you're here in central Ontario, but. Uh... I digress. I thought about that. I thought about that. But I it's not it real, was already it's not real close. On the home front, it was already a bit of a contentious issue, the fact that I was driving <laughs> all the way to Port Perry to play poker. Uh such that when I left there at like one o'clock in the morning, I was like, Oh, this is odd. It, it became a long drive, even though it wasn't it's not that long a drive. Do these but it was sound, long enough. Did these sound like the actions of a man who's had all he can eat? <laughs> This is, this is because uh, re- they've closed Woodbine, right? This is- because they've closed Woodbine, yeah. however temporarily. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's a, any drive is a long drive after you've lost like a buy-in and a half. That's when it's like, uh, when it, it, even if it was 10 minutes from Woodbine, it's like you have to come up with a concoct a story on the way home about <laughs> what happened. Yeah. The cursed gods who cursed you. But anyway, nobody wants to hear my bad. They aren't even bad beat stories. That's the best part. I can't sit here and be like, oh, no, it was just, it was awful. Could not win for losing. Just like your Toronto Blue Jays. No, I don't know. There's, uh, there's nothing going on. There's, we've had all of the perfunctory spring training stories are out of the way. Mm-hmm. We had the Josh Donaldson, let's talk about my contract day. Where he has a presser and clears the air, it's a rite of passage. There was a um, Adam Wainwright had something similar. I saw, you know, because he's coming to the end of his time in St. Louis, and he said, "All right, I'm just going to answer the questions that I know you're going to ask." And then he had like a bit of a meta commentary, and Donaldson kind of did the same sort of thing, where he just said, "We're not going to talk about that anymore. We're not that close. Going to go out and play the play the year, and 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 we're going to try to win the World Series." I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. not really. And the, well, and then Atkins though responded with uh, trying to put a real positive spin on it, being like, you know, it's not over yet, or it's like we haven't come to a deal yet, and and uh, pushing the idea that he thinks that there's still a chance that the two sides can can come to, together on something. I mean, we've seen it before, maybe not to, on a player of this 
of this magnitude. But, you know, Edwin Encarnacion went into a year as a, an independent free agent and signed an extension over the All-Star break. Uh, you know, the Jays got, got an extension done with Marco Estrada late last year. I'm not saying this to be like to create false hope in anybody because it does it does feel like the as Donaldson himself very much said, you know, the two sides are very far apart as uh, as I think is understandable. I mean, Donaldson wants to get as much money out of his one big payday as he can. And the Blue Jays are are, are sitting there trying to tell him, like, everybody values players the same way now. This is what we think you're <laughs> worth. Maybe this is maybe we're trying to help you here uh, and not budging on what they think the reality is going to be for him next winter, which is, which is, you know, they're, they're, there's a, there's a calculation in there for them, right? I mean, nobody knows what the market's going to do. Nobody knows what, how, you know, we've seen what, it, what has happened to the market this year and how JD Martinez went looking for $210 million or reportedly and, and came up well short of that. Uh, but next year is a, next year is a completely different thing. Just like last year, you know, some team some team went and ran out and gave Kendrys Morales a fucking thirty three million dollar contract last year, uh, which <laughs> which is bizarre. It's fucking wild. Um, but so next year with the you know with the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Giants and whoever else who've been uh, striving to stay underneath the the competitive tax balance threshold, sort of back in the picture. Uh, maybe that changes it for a guy like Donaldson. I think the Blue Jays would. I mean, I think Donaldson would, is is banking on that. While the Blue Jays are probably saying, "Yeah, but you're still going to be 33 on opening day, 33 and a half," as Ross Atkins would probably immediately correct you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, it, it is what it is. It, it's not he he played it better than Bautista a couple of years ago when he was just like like. Yeah, I'm, I want to get. Uh, it, it seemed he, the. I guess it was more because there were actual dollar figures out there, and people thought, okay, this is. He's asking too much. It made it feel like the Blue Jays uh, were justified. They were the reasonable were, ones. Yeah, a little bit, and I, I, I and I think that that may be what's happening here. Uh, you know, reasonable in the sense of playing this stupid game where salaries are suppressed and nobody, nobody, you know, is is willing to pay these guys what they're actually worth because that, that's that's just where we are. We've talked about that a bunch on here uh, in recent weeks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's the my my hope, and I think Blue Jays fans' hope should be that. Uh, you know they're good enough that they don't see a reason to trade him, so that they uh, they end up giving him the qualifying offer, and then that kind of makes it a little bit easier for them to to be the team that ends up signing him, because you know other teams are going to look at that age and maybe be a little hesitant. It's weird. You, you mentioned you know Encarnacion they signed a deal with, and Marco Estrada, and then those things are are very much true. Um, of course, the, when Encarnacion signed that extension, he was not. Yet the Edwin Encarnacion right. that then hit free agency at, what, was he 31 when he was a free agent last year or two years ago? Was he that young? Yeah, he might have been. He was pretty young. He was, but, a, uh, he was younger than we all sort of felt that he was, but yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I guess because he was sort of, he and Bautista had been around for the same amount of time, and but of course, Jose Bautista was that little bit older. But um, the, the, the name that I was thinking of just now was actually Vernon Wells. Okay. So Vernon Wells Wells was was not old like he, uh, you know, not the same age as Donaldson. But I think Wells signed his deal like a year before he got to free agency, right? He Mm -hmm. had if if I I I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Where he had had a bit of a down year because he remember had that Vernon Wells thing where he'd be like good and then bad and then good and then bad, Mm -hmm. and then he um, he had a bad year and then he kind of put in the work and he had a great year and then the Jays rewarded him with that contract that uh, is now quaint in its size like oh uh, delicious a little delightful seven year what was it 126 or whatever that he got yeah the same the same figure as you Darvish just got 10 11 years later oh my god that's true it's so fun (laughs) it's so fun but uh but uh but yeah so maybe maybe that's a bit of a closer parallel but I I mean the thing about Josh Donaldson is there are not that many parallels. Bautista is the only one that's close, mm-hmm. in a way, um, and and that's not even just in 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 Blue Jays terms. I mean, who else? 
you, you, well, yeah, no I, team. I, I looked at. I mean, there's no one else who's who is as not not no one else, but he's so good that it's hard. It's easy to lose track of that. Like guys that are that good don't hit free agency ever, mm-hmm. right? And he's position al- players. Yeah, he he is also just such a unique career path too, right? I mean, he's a guy who I I looked at a bunch of comps for him for a piece I did for the Athletic a few weeks ago, and it was I had to sort of control it and look at guys who had comparable production from age 27 to 31, because if you start pushing it farther back, it just, it skews everything so much because Donaldson produced nothing before age 27 and the guys mm-hmm. he's sort of comparable with, you know, the, the like literally on the high end, the Mike Schmitz and the Hank Aaron's of the world. I mean, those literally Mike Schmidt, like yeah. literally Mike Schmidt, but those, but those guys before age 27 had, did a lot more than Josh Donaldson did. It's just he's got a literal, he's got a Hall of Fame peak with none of the age twenty to twenty seven production at all. Uh, so which, so which is what makes strange. him like Bautista. Yeah, right. So th- this is almost like if Bautista hadn't signed his deal the year before he went to free agency, and I, maybe, maybe that's weighing in his mind. Do you, I mean, is this something that do you think that Jose Bautista and Josh Donaldson may have spoken of? Bautista saying, "I, I regret." Taking a $65 million contract when I could have gotten double that had I waited for free agency? I don't know. It's not like, I mean, I think everybody has their eyes open. And I was I, I shared something about, uh, it was a video, that Joey Votto was on um, some MLB network show today just talking about hitting. Just full wonk. It was It's incredible. If you haven't seen it, I shared, like, someone pointed their phone at the TV and recorded Joey Votto just just total wonk mode, talking about hitting, talking about what he what he think makes a great hit. It's unbelievable. It's an incredible clip. But somebody in the in the comments under was talking about how the players now are way more knowledgeable about the game and about and I think that they're also maybe more knowledgeable about their place in the game. You know what I mean? Someone like Donaldson in particular, who again he, his situation is unique. So it's not like he's. I think he's going in with his eyes open, and he's and he's not gonna. I mean. It, He's not going to take less than he should or than he thinks he should or thinks that he'll get. And, and you, you have to think that you have to be cognizant of the way that this market has been soft and, and that there are all these numbers. And I, I don't know. I, he's not going to give the Jay-Z discount, I think, is just something we've, we've known and talked about a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Nor, so, should, nor should he have to give the Jay-Z discount. Nor should he. Yeah. he no, he shouldn't give anyone a discount unless he, well, I mean, unless it's his prerogative. If he really is comfortable somewhere and wants to stay, and the economics are such that that money is that lack or that those soft benefits are hard, are better than the than the than the income, sure. But uh, you, know, you hope that you hope that a team isn't going to just exploit that. But anyway, the important thing is Donaldson. That it's pretty much put to bed that he's going to play the year out. And uh, see how it goes. So, hopefully, we don't have to deal with the Josh Donaldson trade talk at any or trade post in the Josh Donaldson trade episode because mm-hmm. um, that will be grim. Mm-hmm. But and, uh, and but that's al- it. And also, their best chance to have him come back is to tie a fucking qualifying offer around him. Not that that was, yeah yeah. Not that that's smart business. So I don't necessarily to have him uh, <laughs> to have him walk away and just get whatever that draft pick is back. Uh, but it could be, I mean, we've talked about this a bunch, but yeah, it could be, it could be weighed against the potential of a playoff run or of, of making it really interesting this year, which I think, you know, a lot of Jays fans are down on the team's chances, but, uh, they're pretty, he's a, he's a very good player. I'm not sure if people remember. Uh, and yeah, the, the, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees are better, but they're, the Jays are still very much within the margin of error, I think, to, to be a very competitive team. So so who, who knows? Who knows? But, uh, but I, that's how I would love to see it play out, is them be a threat, keep Donaldson qualifying offer him, and hope that that's what, uh, what it takes to soften his market enough that maybe that it, it allows them to get him back at, at, at a market rate that is that a rate that's fair for him and that works for everybody. Um, because yeah, he's he's great. I, I that's such a, it seems like such a weird way to look at it. But but fuck it, I don't care. I don't care if it's if you if you lose out on 
maybe one fly, you know, lottery ticket of a prospect in a trade or something like that. Um, mm. I don't, I don't think that matters that much. And I also think, I mean, we've talked about it a few times here too. It's like, it's, it's not the same you know, as, as much as it sucks to lose a player of that talent or to possibly lose a player with that is that fucking good. Uh, it's not the same as losing a guy like that who's making four and a half million dollars like he was in 2015 when he's making 23. I mean, that's money that's off the books that you can use to help make your team better. And it's not, a, it's less of a, it's less of a, of a damaging blow to the 2019 Blue Jays as it might have been otherwise. I mean, that's, that's, that's putting a lot of lipstick on a pig, but, uh, but they can, they can move on from it and not just be set back for two or three years just because they lost that one guy. I think. I hope. But he is, uh, he's it, real fucking good. That's the only problem. There's another guy that... There's another guy that they might lose one day. And you, you made a bunch of good points that I wanted to... Uh, I will come back to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've got it on my little list here about the, the quality of the Jays in relative to the competition and, and recent changes within the division that could impact them. I want to real put, quick put a pin in that because you wrote something about this as well. I, I wanted to keep it on the extension talk mm-hmm. and the idea that maybe Marcus Stroman would be open to an extension. I, I'm not sure if it was in last week's show or not, but the the ugly... Yeah, there was. We talked about the the arbitration loss and how he was Yeah, We were kind of... In, and, we were in between the, the point. He'd walked it back a bit, but then yeah. in the following days, he was he really walked it back. Mm-hmm. But now he's saying that he would be open to an extension. And then, of course, that naturally leads, you know, the armchair quarterback, or armchair GM... Uh, uh, segment of the fan base, of which we are both members, of course, mm-hmm. uh, to start to speculate what it would cost. And I saw you were talking uh, with Tammy from um, from BP Toronto on Twitter today, and um, I really feel like her the, the the contract that she was suggesting, or the the, the deal that would be on the table, you know, three years plus this, it can't. It, that's that was it. Has it's way light. Like there's no reason for him to take a, a deal like that, right? I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that the idea was, I think it was like a twenty-four million dollar option with a four million buyout on his first year of free agency. The point being to at least to sign him to a deal that would at least avoid losing Sanchez and Stroman at the exact same time, on the assumption that with Scott Boris being Sanchez's agent, an extension is extremely unlikely, which is perhaps true, but not you know doesn't close the door on it. Uh, as I as I like to say, which is often wrong, but 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 teams players will do what's in their financial interest, and if the Jays put one, a, a extension in front of him that's in his financial interest, he'll do it. Or the or players, you know, Strasburg is a, a, a Boris client who extended uh, because he liked where he was and wanted to be there and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was I thought that was light. I thought, and that was the point of what I wrote is that it's really hard to find a way to make an extension work because what the Jays have. In an essentially a non-guaranteed deal for three years, which will top out at like thirty million dollars, is that's pretty much as ideal as a, as it gets for a guy who isn't in his like pre-arb years, right? Like that's like the, mm-hmm. the even as a super two, that's that's still fine. He's been he's been more than good enough to justify that, and paying a lot of money to buy out extra years, probably just uh, I I don't know why the Jays would feel that that's a thing to do. And I don't know why Stroman would take too little just to get one or two extra years, sort of, especially in a scenario where that was like a, uh, the Tammy put out there was like a, an option for the club. And, and that would be, yeah, I just don't, I don't know that that's necessarily in his, in his interest. No, I mean, I feel like any Marcus Stroman extension is going to start or look like the, something like a Carlos Martinez kind of mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. Right. Like obviously uh, Strasburg, was that much closer to free agency and is well better? I don't think it's unfair to say. Yeah, I mean Str- um, Stroman is great, and we all you know we all love Stroman, but to, he he's not going to get elite pitcher money if he's only going to strike out you know seven batters per nine or whatever the percentage is on it, right? I mean, as great as he is able to to use his repertoire to get outs by having guys you know hit the ball into the fucking carpet and to keep their timing off and all that. Uh, it's just it's you know without the strikeout, I don't think that that's he's he's a he's at the bo- the top of the middle tier as opposed to or maybe the bottom of the top tier, but he's not higher than that. 
it just it, everything about that in today's game makes him a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, you know, betting on the future goes, and betting on the ability to maintain that walk that narrow line as his body ages and his velocity diminishes, which is all but inevitable. But I mean, I I, I think we've all talked about this, and and I've said it too, especially with, in if if it's going to be an apples, you know, like an either or situation with Aaron Sanchez. I'm if it's me, if it's my team, if it's my money. I'm much more comfortable giving it to Stroman than I would be giving it to Sanchez. I don't think that's a very, I don't think I'm out on a very precarious perch saying that, um, given the health of the two players. And, yeah. And, and, and Sanchez has the same thing. And the thing. track record. Even. Yeah. Hmm? San- Sanchez has the same thing. He doesn't strike out enough guys to be like super, uh, you know, an, a, an elite, elite kind of guy as well. And, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. The the health track record. I mean, Stroman missed a full year, but it was for a, a freak knee, a freak knee injury. And I know Sanchez's injuries haven't necessarily been, uh, you know, recurring the blister thing. But the, the it, you just yeah, you just don't feel as comfortable with the idea that Sanchez is going to go out there and give you that many starts every year. And Stroman feels feels like that's going to happen. But they're pitchers but no too, need- so who knows? Who, who knows? Yeah, exactly. All, all, any number of uh, horrible things can, uh, horrible fates. Which, which is why you know, talking about going five or six years to a guy you already have for three years and are already probably going to have for three years and like thirty million dollars. It just, it just why, why I, I don't know why you know. It, as I wrote in the piece, you know, the pre-arb guys, when you can dangle $30 million in front of a Chris Sale because he has to have, like, four seasons of impeccable health and performance just to get there through the stupid, fucked-up arbitration system mm-hmm. uh, and dangle that and say, okay, we'll give you this. You'll It'll be guaranteed, and this the other path is so risky for you, but you have to sign away, you know, three free agent years or three of your first potential free, free agent years which you know they 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 still pay him a, a handsome rate, but not not even close to what he's worth, and they have no risk because they're all club option years. Uh, you know that makes sense. But when you're Strowman, and it's basically, as I tried to outline in the piece, like there are ways that he could that he could just completely fall apart, I guess, and not make his money. But it really looks like uh, it would be hard for him not to get to twenty million dollars over the next three years, or maybe more like thirty. Which is uh, which is a lot to sort of have banked that he doesn't have to start thinking about uh, hedging and and taking you know some sort of shiny deal in front of him because he's he's fine and he the sooner he gets to free agency the probably probably better for him and I, I think somebody I forget who it was I apologize on Twitter when when this was first coming out last week when we were talking about it, it was like yeah once they make their first ten million it's pretty hard for them to. For you, for you to convince them to to start giving away these years, which I think is probably you know a good number to look at it. Like I mean, when you're mm. when you're like Sale, Sale signed his deal, and I know he's an extreme example, but he's just he's a guy who signed a pre-arb deal that turned into a really team-friendly deal. Uh, so it's an interesting one, but he you know he was going to make six seven hundred thousand dollars in the year that he signed it, and had to had to wait one more year to get to arbitration. I mean, there's so much risk that. And, mm-hmm. and and the the rise in his salary is going to be so long term at that point that of course he sees you know his agent sees that money that says says okay you can get sixty million dollars over six years if all of these are all these options are are enacted that's pretty good to you know where like at worst it's thirty at most it's sixty and you're sitting here you're going to make seven hundred thousand dollars this year and then hope you don't get injured and then hope you don't get injured again and then and then hope that you keep performing i mean that's it's just a completely different situation than a guy who's already this deep into arbitration who's already making like not not real free agent money but real money in the in the baseball economy economy making six million probably going to go to close to ten next year uh unless he just goes completely backwards but probably can't really lose money at this point uh for the next two years i mean it's 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 very difficult to envision a scenario where they would non-tender him between now and the end of his uh, his arbitration years. So you know, he, Stroman's got a lot of a lot of money he can count on at this point. So it just makes it just makes the Jays' hard, job harder in terms of what they would have to give up to get him to sign long term. And that equa- the equation I just don't think works. No, it, it's a little bit like a. Um, 
like for all its faults, the arbitration, once, once you kind of get rolling into that as well, some of those, a lot of those raises are built in. And I remember uh, Dave Cameron wrote about like Mike Trout, where, when Mike Trout signed his six year, like $140 million deal. Uh, I know Cameron was critical of it in terms of, you know, from Trout feeling as though he left a lot of money on uh, the table, as they say, because he had already achieved at such a high level that even if he had like a catastrophic knee injury, you know, not su- such that he would still be able to come back and play at some point, his body of work was so great that he would have been still making like significant arb rewards for those last couple of years before he went into free agency, what would have been at the end of this season. Um, uh, but that's enough. Enough contract talk. Mm-hmm. Because nothing, nothing... Uh, the Stroman thing, uh, the Stroman thing could happen, it could happen when it happens. I remember for a while there, we'll, something maybe we'll keep our eye on until it was early in the, in the season. It was always the contract extensions got signed on like the second day of the year. Remember with like Adam yeah. Lind, Lind and Lind's deal and Hill's deal and I think Rios's deal as well. Like these come back from spring trading. It's like, hey, a lot of it had to do with tax and when those sorts of penalties kick in in terms of, you know, the inner workings of baseball accounting. But that always seemed like it was the day. Like, oh, second day of the year, it was a big contract. Aaron, uh, that Aaron Hill contract was uh, looked good at the time. Those, those are great examples of why you sign those deals if you are a Chris Sale. Uh, or, a, or a guy who's really early on and and has that great distance and hasn't made the, the you know that kind of magical gotten to a magical mo- number whatever it was ten million or eight million but back in the day um, because you never know I mean Manny Corpus I don't people probably don't remember his name he signed a four year eight million dollar deal with the with the Rockies um, and he was awful right after he was uh, hey, I think he had like one good year and he ended up so he ended up making. A pretty good amount of money. If he had ended up being great through it, he could have, uh, you know, kind of left some money on the table, so to speak. But uh, he was never good, other than one year. And he he played, pitched for five years and was like under basically like replacement level every year, except for one. So sometimes get that money, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the one everybody is thinking is Ricky Romero, right? He got. He got what looked like would be a very team-friendly deal, a very nice deal from the Jays, which is similar to the sale one, five years and, mm. and $30 million guaranteed. And, you know, things didn't go his way, uh, except that that contract was great for him. I mean, if he'd gone year to year the way that his career ended up going now that we know, uh, he wouldn't have made nearly as much over the course of his career as he, as he did with that deal. I don't think. Still fighting to come back. Yeah. The other guy pull, again. pulling for root, him. Yeah, rooting for him. Uh, so let's go back to what you had been alluding to earlier. Let's talk about um, how good is this Jays team, in a way. I mean, we don't have to talk about that in great deal. We kind of know it's 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 um, you know not not fresh territory. But uh, if I believe it's Fangraphs using the Steamer Productions and the kind of playing time adjustments that they make, the Blue Jays currently sit in a playoff position. Yeah, that's weird. Is, can that be true? I, I haven't looked recently, but I but they definitely the last time I looked had the Jays as the fifth best scoring offense in baseball, which uh, I, I I'm, I'm going to bet the under on that. I think that their offense is better. It's clearly improved. It's clearly going to be improved against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would definitely be improved if they, you know, maybe decided to go a little lighter on defense in center field and and moved some bodies around there. Cough, cough, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't know. There, so I, I don't buy that. But I, do, I went through the Pakota projections a, a couple of weeks ago and and looked at where they were high and low and came up. You know, so thought that about eighty five wins was not an unreasonable projection for them. And so if it's if it's close to that, then that that seems reasonable to me. Right now, the steamer has the Jays at eighty six wins. Steamer via Fangraphs eighty six wins. Uh, and as you said, they have it ranks them as the sixth best offense in all of baseball, pushing over just about five runs per game. Um, I don't know whether whether to laugh or cry when I see that, whether or not that's true or or it seems plausible or feasible, but it does enough. And I and I think that one of the reasons that I think this this number may have gone up a little bit is because of what the Rays have continued to do. <laughs> yeah. Which is that they've continued to make their team worse. 
but not really. Because the team was never going to be that good. No. But the, the Rays made another trade. They traded Steven uh, Souza in a three-way deal with the Yankees. They definitely helped the Yankees get better. And, the, and Arizona acquired Souza, and the Yankees get Brandon Drury. And the stupid Rays get, I don't know, some kid. Just like they traded Jake Odorizzi, and they got like the 31st best Twins prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now Jake Odorizzi, of course, was terrible last year. Oh, and the Rays also traded Corey Dickerson, and they got Daniel Hudson in return. Daniel Hudson, who was good two years ago and has been very not great in the two subsequent years. Um, but so yeah. Oh, and the, but then of course the Rays did sign Carlos Gomez. So long story short, the Rays are not in a great place right now. No. They look like they are retooling, retooling on the fly. Of course, having traded. Uh, Evan Longoria, the Mr. Ray, the best player in franchise history, whatever. They acquired CJ Crone from the Angels, which is hilarious. Uh, but you look through the team, and like this team sucks, right? Like the Rays are terrible. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I feel I felt that in other years, or not, not, not to this extent, but the Rays have never, you know, sort of felt all that threatening, and yet they, they've managed to go out and win a bunch of ball games every year. It seems. Uh, but yeah, no, they they look like they're going to be awful. I, did, I don't know if there's word yet on uh, Honeywell, the, the, uh, the young pitcher who felt his forearm go this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, that could be a problem for them because he was uh, he's certainly in their rotation plans. Um, yeah, he's I like th- a top thirty or forty prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, uh, the initial uh, what I'm seeing here is the initial diagnosis for Honeywell is a right forearm strain. Mm-hmm. Well, that but, never um, that never leads to anything, so that's that's good. <laughs> um, Honeywell was great last year, Double A, Triple A, pitched really, really well. So that's a that's tough to hear. You never want to see anybody get hurt. But I mean, are the, I don't know that the Rays are that much worse. Again, given the fact that that Dickerson was was really bad in the second half, given the fact that Odorizzi was no great shakes last year. Uh, I mean, they weren't that good last year either. They still have Kevin Kiermeyer. They still have their closer, who's good. They still got Chris Archer, who is. Um, I, Chris Archer's overrated. <laughs> yeah, I think he is. I think Chris Archer's overrated. Maybe I'm wrong. He is maybe, in his own way, a little bit of like a the new Anibal Sanchez. Okay, maybe I, I should walk that back. You he's might want to think about walking that back. Yeah, he's a he's a FIP. Darling, he has the nice strikeout to walk uh, ratio numbers, um, but somehow he he, do, he always seems to underperform that. He's always underperformed his uh, his his FIP, which is nice. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. He he is. Uh, he, I mean, he pitched two, pitched two hundred innings three years in a row, basically four years in a row. So okay, he's maybe not underrated he's, or overrated, but he's pretty good. <laughs> He's pretty good. Sure. Didn't he sign one of those stupid contracts too? He did. Yeah, they did. Six years, $25 million. Playing yourself, Chris Chris, uh, Chris Archer. I don't know. He's okay. But they're shit. And that, but that means good things for the Blue Jays, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, because they are more likely to lose games when... They play the Jays, especially without Souza. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, killed the Jays. Certainly did. Uh, uh, Dickerson, also, uh, Dickerson wasn't. Hmm? Uh, Dickerson helped too, I think, as I recall last year. Uh, I mean, they do have the trop, which you know the Blue Jays. No matter who plays for the Rays or the Jays, apparently the Jays can't win there. But uh, I don't. I don't think, they did. I, I don't when the Blue Jays were good, they won all kinds of games there. Yeah. Those that year and a half, that was great. Yeah, I, uh, but, I, I but shouldn't I, have brought it up because that is a that is a, a trope that I would like to to see die, frankly. But it would also be nice if I if it just went away because the Blue Jays won a lot of damn games against the Rays. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but I don't know. It, it's it's fun, and I, I do think that maybe. Well, well, like you said, you went through Pakoda and sort of said this one might be low, this one might be high. I do think that there's a sense of kind of pessimism around the team right now. Mm-hmm. That isn't necessarily well earned, but also I think there's a sense of realism around the team, and and I feel like the team and and the, the it seems as though 
it, there's a lot of it's a it's a lot of wait and see. The team is maybe a little bit in flux again. Obviously, Josh Donaldson weighs heavily on that. So, what are they going to do next year? What are they going to be? And they can sort of go out there and see what happens. Maybe the Yankees are flawed. Maybe Aaron Judge is a it's a it's a it's a one time fluke, and maybe John Carlos Stanton gets hurt, and maybe Greg Bird is still bad. And there's a lot of maybes for the Yankees, and I think the Red Sox are maybe a little bit slept on at the same time. I don't know, but there's no reason to count the Blue Jays out before the season even begins. No, especially um, especially now the guy, you know, everybody's there and healthy, healthy enough. I mm-hmm. mean, Tulo maybe not, but but like, you know, you think about it, like, the projections are are light on what a healthy Devin Travis could do, for example. This is, you know, just complete typical February optimism kind of stuff, but you know, the Blue Jays get a get a real year out of Devin Travis and and he plays a lot of games and plays the way he's always played when he's been healthy. And that's enormous. That's like a, that's a really good player who just sort of showed up for them uh, that nobody right now is really counting on. And, 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 you know, Tulo could be a similar story. Maybe I think people are maybe more pessimistic on that. Um, mm-hmm. That's easy to be pessimistic. As we, as we, as we said last week, as we shoveled dirt onto his <laughs> still open casket, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, but also, and this is what the the front office has been talking about for a long time in terms of depth, and not just, you know, not not just depth of the Matt Dominguez's of the world, but having like real prospects with a chance to get better and be good for a long time at mm-hmm. the upper minor league levels, like like where the, all the all the eggs are not in in one basket in the in Buffalo's outfield, you know, like you know maybe Teoscar Hernandez really shows something really it, it it clicks and the strikeouts go down and and he gets a chance at the big leagues and runs with it maybe maybe Anthony Alford is that player you know maybe Pompey is that player there's guys who uh who it seems like they do have the talent that that could plausibly happen and and the thing about having a bunch of those guys is that it just raises the chances that at least for one of them it might really i mean when you're just when you're counting on one literally one player you know for as your as who's going to be a savior who's you know sitting in in single a or something like that that's one thing but when you have all those guys when you have mm-hmm. Guriel and and Urena and Danny Jansen and you have these guys who are getting close to big league ready and who you know, should be able to contribute and on the pitching side too, the Baruckis and Panones and Taylor Guerrero's a nice pickup and and they have some interesting options at Buffalo and this you know Atkins uh, I've heard him put it that, that, that you know there's going to be a good story there in terms of the Buffalo rotation. Meaning, you know they don't expect that everybody's going to come in, take a step forward, look like he's going to be a big leaguer, come up, be able to provide big league innings, be you know a really valuable piece of the major league roster. But somebody probably will have a good year. It's it's hard to see the. I mean, I just said it's hard to see them all having bad years, but then you look at the rotation in New Hampshire last year, and maybe it's possible. Though Panone <laughs> was good in double A, and Barucki was good. Uh, but, you know, there was some there were some steps backwards, but that's how prospects works. That's how development works. And uh, It's non-linear, you know, Stone. Exactly. Prospect yeah. development is non-linear. Yeah. But no, but I think this is sort of what the, you know, it, it's easier to think about when they talk about depth as being, you know, you got to have Matt Latos, you got to have Matt Dominguez. And when it's like, no, this, they're, they're getting to the point where they want to be in terms of, you know, if someone gets hurt in the rotation, they might have a real option to come in there and someone who could steal jobs and create, you know, good problems. You know, somebody could steal Kevin Pillar's job and the Jays will be better for it. And then better still when they move Pilar for another piece that can provide more of that depth. And uh, or or do something else on the big league roster, you know. The the uh, and in that way, the the unsexy raising of the floor is uh, like that's that's why they're doing it. I think right. That that's that's what it's. No, all, you're you're absolutely all. right. It it, it it may it may not work. It, it may not work this year. It may not work next year because they might not have Josh Donaldson, and they might mm-hmm. not have Marco Estrada, Jay Happ, and that, that those are going to be holes too. But uh, but they. It, there's they just they give themselves such a better chance by having those guys there than in the sort of stars and scrubs era where it's like well if somebody gets hurt then we'll find a warm body we'll have fucking uh who's uh who i who did the goddamn leap over uh jose molina last year fucking uh oh god um chris Co- chris coglin 
Chris Coughlin, Cogs for Christ, yeah. Yeah, and like him and like the guy who pulled his arm out of his, his fucking socket, it was for, from the Mets, what's his face? Like guys who I'm struggling to name. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The outfielder who also, you know, that was in the, in the St. Louis series. Uh, doesn't, anyway. It, it doesn't matter. But yeah, like, the, like those are the guys who, you know, those are depth pieces for bad teams. And the Jays have mm-hmm. guys who could be bad. Which depth. the Jays were last year. They were a bad team. Yeah. But this is definitely, it's starting to take the shape of like the new front office. It's starting to kind of reflect their sensibilities and reflect what they value. And that sort of it's what, what we're starting to see. And it's spring, so we don't know if it's even going to work. It could be, they could be full of shit. <laughs> yeah. But you're starting to see the way that they will continue to go about building the team around the given situation. Um, and then as that, and, and as you pointed out, next year's team could look very, very, very different. But for 2018, they've, 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 from especially from a team building perspective, they've given themselves nothing if not options. Um, you can look at the outfield list and see like eight names of guys who could foreseeably challenge for a job. There's eight guys who have played in the big leagues. Uh, some of those guys, like Granderson and Pierce, obviously they have, uh, they are here to, and, and to a lesser extent, Ezekiel Carrera. Those guys, their job is to make the 2018 Blue Jays better, full stop, right? They're not guy. They're not development pieces. They're not people that are, they're not players that the Jays are making a, an investment in. Um, they are, uh, Pierce and Granderson in particular, are players who are on uh, very uh, modest, by baseball terms, contracts. Players that have value to other teams down the road. If, if things don't work out for the 2018 Blue Jays, those are absolutely two players that will almost for sure see moved, um, a la Joe Smith. Last year, provided that, of course, that they don't turn into pumpkins before our eyes. But the a guy like Curtis Granderson in particular has like so much appeal um, as a veteran, as a guy who has knows what he can do, who prepares so well. Blah 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 blah. And Pierce is, I think, probably the same sort of thing. But given that, or beyond them, you've got players who might have appeal to another team, like a Polar. Um, if you if if the Blue Jays need to move on from him, or be, as you said, because someone steals his job. Uh, Ezekiel Carrera, who uh, you know is nobody's favorite player, um, and his his shortcomings are abundant and obvious. But at the same time, in spite of all the sort of hate and the shit that guys like you and I would give him, he still has ably filled in as a fourth outfielder uh, for for a number of years in a row, getting you know more and more playing time, playing a role on good teams that has value. Um, and then there's also you know this, with the the Grichicks and Hernandez, those are the guys who are ostensibly the future and 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 at Pompeii as well and Alfred sort of guys with similar stories but in different stages of their of their career so so it's it's a very interesting mix and something's got to give and, and if something gives in terms of one of those guys moves on you assume then that an asset or something is going to come back it's going to make the team better either it's better in 2018 better in 2019 and or down further down the road but they're not in a bad spot they're not in a bad spot to be better this year, and they're not in a bad spot to still also be good in the in the subsequent years, which is kind of yeah. nice because a lot of what we've experienced as a Blue Jays fans has been very much by the seat of the pants. And, and I think something that you know Jays fans would do well to think about more, more maybe is you know like Cle- Cleveland has got they've got an incredible rotation. Obviously, they've got Ramirez, they've got Lindor, yes. Very good players, but if you look at a lot of the other pieces on the rosters of two, the last two seasons of Cleveland, they've had a great bullpen too. But I mean, it's not—you're not looking at the Yankee lineup when you're looking at what made those teams good. You're looking at sort of what they're doing here, which is raising the floor in all sorts of places. Play, you know, not even just the 25 guys on the roster, but beyond that a little bit, having you know, having guys who could come up and be real big leaguers, uh, who could come up and contribute, uh, you know. Yeah, and Carnacion's there now too. Like they have, they have very good names. And Michael Brand, Brantley's had a great, uh, had you know when he's been healthy or when he was healthy, he was very good. And and uh, you know you could go down the list. Santana, there's there's guys. Don't get me wrong, there's guys. But it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily the sexiest of rosters. Uh, and it's certainly when they started to sort of get good uh, before the 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 Cleveland folks came over. I I slept on them. I remember shitting on Cleveland's roster going into the 2016 ALCS and taking heat for that because I was very wrong and the Jays got fucking destroyed by a team that was better than them, uh, even though, you know, the 
Cleveland did it by hitting home runs and the Jays just stopped hitting. Uh, Hit literally nothing. <laughs> yeah, but but you know because it's a, a it, to me it was a roster you looked you look up and down you know one through nine. It, it, I'm not saying it's similar to what the Jays are doing right now, but it's just it's guys who. It's just it's not the collection of all stars. It's not like what you see in Boston. It's not like what you see in New York. But it's still a very very good team that works. And they did a bit of a platoony thing at times. And the, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to take too like not give enough credit to Alindor and Ramirez and the ridiculous bullpen and rotation that they have uh, mm-hmm. because those are they're really good. But I don't know. I just wonder if that's if that's something that we miss is sort of the the shape of the roster of, of Cleveland beyond those sexier names probably is a bit similar to what the Jays are doing right now. And, and the Jays do have sexy names on their roster as well. You know, they're not, uh, maybe they're not quite at, at the level of Cleveland right now, but, uh, but, you know, Josh Donaldson and Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez, and, you know, you go down the list, there's, there's a lot of talent here too, that, that, you know, again, typical spring optimism. Why the hell not? Give me, just give me a full year of Devin Travis. Let's see what, let's see what that poor bastard can do. I think that would be very exciting. I think that that Jose Ramirez is is a good kind of I, I don't know maybe window into into you know the kind of possibilities that come with um, what could be possible, right? Jose Ramirez wasn't I don't know that he was a top prospect. He's five foot nine, like he's a little dude uh, who plays a bunch of positions and just kind of didn't. Didn't do a lot, um, you know. He never. I mean, he had a couple. He was. A, he put up nice numbers in the minor leagues, but it wasn't like he was a top prospect. It wasn't like he was a great thing. But you know, he they yeah, were able he to was, get a lot out of him. And yeah. I mean, was Kip, what about Kipnis? Right? Was Kip? I don't remember Kipnis being some um, kind of top of the prospect charts sort of guy. I mean, he was a second round draft pick, so that's not nothing. But it took him. Um, you know, he kind of hit the ground running. I don't know. It's. Uh, the way they've built that team is it's not they made some nice trades and they took a chance on Bauer and stuff like that so you know there's a there's hopefully there's there's stuff to learn and stuff that can be replicated here mm-hmm. right uh, yeah. right one hopes one hopes but I, I you know just from what they've said about like I was I was saying about the depth and about having those pieces and and in Buffalo mm-hmm. and, and being ready to bring people up who can actually come in and contribute. But it does look like that's been a change for the Jays. And, uh, and hopefully it's one that works out to their advantage. It's, it's going to depend a lot on, you know, as long as the pitching, the starting pitching can do what they've done the last couple of years. And, and you know, Donaldson's Donaldson and they get a little more health than they've got from, from maybe Tulo and maybe Devin Travis and, and, it's a team that should be able to score some runs. It's a team that should be able to prevent some runs. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's all you really. That that's sort of the name of the game. What more would you want? Yeah, score some runs, prevent some runs. Yeah, it's uh, it, it could it could work out very badly, but it, I I do have optimism that it could work out quite well too. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know what else we could talk about. We could talk about the the pace of play thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the I don't even know what to say about the it. solution like, to a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, yes, the games are long, but is it the pace? Like, is I complain about the, the the pace of the game, but I don't know that the way that they've gone out of their way to fix it, or or gone out of the way to address it, is that going to fix it? No. <laughs> No, I mean, did they say uh, the pitch clock seemed to work, right? I, I I can't quote it offhand, but I remember seeing that, you know, in the in the minors using the pitch clock last year, the average game length went down. Uh, so that could be something. I don't know how well the mound visit thing could work if they actually if it had teeth. But yeah. again, is is it is it a problem that like is the game time the barrier? To anything? For what? To, yeah. to, to anything. Is it, is it the, the thing that's keeping... Uh, is it the thing that's keeping young people away from baseball? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's something that they're doing, and I, I hope that... I, and I've seen a few kind of looks at it from this perspective, but you don't want to see anybody get hurt, right? 
you don't want to see pitchers get hurt because they're rushing or they feel like yeah. they're rushing or anything like that. But I mean, we'll see. They'll, as long as they don't start doing gimmicky, like, you know, put runners on base. I guess. I oh, don't that know. yeah, that stuff is completely ridiculous. I I saw but people. Is it, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> what the fuck. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I I, I like the. Yeah. I, I saw people ridiculing the Mike Kruko idea of just like, yeah, put an advertisement on the uniform and then use the ad money to to cut back on commercial time between innings. And there you go, games are shorter. Though mm-hmm. I though I believe I've also seen I forget who did it but somebody looked pretty deeply and I don't know if it was Sam Miller or, or Ben Lindbergh looked pretty deeply into what is actually causing delays and found that the you know as easy as it is to blame the longer commercial breaks uh, that apparently it doesn't have as much of an effect as you would think as I recall I'm just quoting this from memory so who knows for me you know warm up in the bullpen and then if you come in in the middle of a damn inning you don't get eight pitches you get like three and then you, then you go to work, and we don't have to wait for you to pitch quite as many times. That could shave a little bit off the the mid inning pitching change, but it's just whatever. It doesn't. But yeah, uh, ultimately, the, the game's fine. Well, know. is the game fine? I think uh, we we will see what happens to in the in the next few years, where the pace of the the, the time of game is less of an issue than the than the pace of the game where the number of the amount that the ball is in play, mm. right? Like it was the, yes, the amount true. that, you know, that we are seeing defenders defend and, and moving people around on the infield because the ball's not hit over the fence or resulted in a strikeout. I mean, the ongoing three true outcomes of baseball might be the thing that need, that requires addressing, but I don't know how you fix it. Like that, that I don't, how you get that, that cat doesn't go back in the bag. You know what I mean? Like, how you raise the mound, and you're only going to increase strikeouts and reduce scoring. So, like, what can you do to you call a smaller zone? Is that where they're going to have to go? But I mean, people are going to be working the count anyway, and then it's walks and walks and walks. I don't know. We'll Ex- see. Expansion, water down pitching a little bit. Expansion, yeah. Well, they got to move the Rays first. Tanking. They got to take all the teams out of Florida. Uh, because they're a disgrace. That's fair. Um, I think that's it. You know, we've been going at this for long enough. We don't need to go on again. We can talk about the other things the other time. We can talk about the... Well, we'll probably find out sooner than later about the palace intrigue at uh, at, at Fortress Rogers. Mm-hmm. But who's going to be doing what and sitting in which chair? That'll sort itself out in time. And, uh Yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else. You got anything yeah, else? I got nothing else. Got some baseball right. on the radio tomorrow. It'll be uh, baseball well, on the radio. They work. don't. Uh, there won't be as many games on TV as we talked about before. But uh, on the radio, it's better than nothing at all. MLB dot com is blocked at work for me. Oh, it's just a real problem. That is a problem. I'm just plugging in my phone. It's all right. I got Wi Fi in my phone in the office. So well, there you go. I will hook it up. Uh, so speaking of hook it up, as we mentioned before, don't forget opening day, March 29th. Opening day, March 29th, that's messed up. But all 30 teams will be out there playing on March 29th, including your Toronto Blue Jays against the New York Yankees at the Rogers Center in Toronto. We will be across the street at the rec room before the game, starting at 1.30, live podcast. Hit the uh, invite on Facebook. It's on the Birds All Day, uh, facebook.com slash birds all day. Hit that up. Give it a like. Get in the banter. Uh, sign up for the event. And, uh, and other than that, find Stoughton. At Blue Jays Nation, find Stoughton on Twitter. Find me on Twitter. Uh, the Athletic, Vice, the man's everywhere. All that good everywhere. stuff. Everywhere. So, yeah, yeah, when I when I actually you know do some work, it does show up places. <laughs> uh, not me. I, I keep. I was threatening threatening to to blog a blog post this week. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Do it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I've been. I've been. It takes a lot of, there's a lot of effort involved with it now just to get that ship moving. But uh, that's it. All right. So for Stoughton, my name is Drew. I hope you enjoyed episode 151 of Birds All Day. We'll be back to talk to you again next week. 